welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome, everyone. So today I'm joined by Rima of at patience.is.a.virtue.ivf. She'll be sharing her infertility journey with us today and her details would also be in the show notes. So welcome Rima and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I know my handle, my IVF handle is a tongue twister. So you did a great job. <laughs> I love it. But I just like, I'm going to make sure I say the dot in the right places and not skip. <laughs> Recently, I'm like, maybe I should change it to something different. But uh, I think it's, it's good. a message that I'm looking for, right? Exactly. Yeah, because patience is definitely needed, you know, in this whole journey. So absolutely. Yeah. So to start off, we always say, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no problem. So I am um, 36, born and raised in London, Ontario, Canada. Uh, my parents are of Lebanese descent. My dad immigrated to Canada in the 1950s, and my mom and his, they met at like early, very, very early, like probably 1979, 1980, got married, then had me and my two older brothers back to back, essentially. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, and then waited nine years and had my youngest brother. And then um, I am a high school French teacher. Um, yeah, so I've been teaching for almost 14 years now. Um, wow, yeah, so this so is pretty much my like, professional career. Um, I've been married for two and a half, just over two and a half years. Oh. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I'm kind of a boring person, Ola. Like I don't... <laughs> I don't, uh, <laughs> it's I mean, me, I, my passions are my family and my friends and teaching. And um, now, to be honest, uh, I've found a, a deep passion um, about infertility and, and supporting women in the community and, and, and women that are facing the same struggles as me. Yeah. And you're doing an amazing job. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. And same to you. I mean, it's women like you that help inspire me and, 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 and elevate my voice and amplify my voice and, and just give me that platform to be able to do so. So thank you. You're too sweet. Thanks. <laughs> so how did you and your spouse meet? Oh, we have a long story. Um, I told you at the beginning, I'm 36. I met, we met when we were 18. Wow. So it's, it's been literally half of my life. Um, the story is funny and I didn't, <laughs> I only admitted it to him probably in the last five years, but I don't know if you remember MSN Messenger. The, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> so this was before social media and, you know, Instagram and even stuff like smartphones way before any of that stuff. Um, and so we had M people used to communicate via MSN. Hmm. And it was, it, I think, I don't remember. It was a, let's say a Saturday night. I was home. I was bored. And I remember I had got a forward from someone. I don't know if you remember people used to always send forwards like jokes and this and that. Mm -hmm. And then you everybody the like the email addresses that were included in the forward. And I said, you know what? I want to make some like I'm gonna add some new people to my MSN list. 
And I just added a bunch of probably about 10 email addresses and he ended up being one of the email addresses. I didn't know him. Hmm. And then he popped up onto MSN and we started chatting and I was like, this guy's cool, you know? Um, but we were mostly friends um, for, for the majority of, ooh, I'd say like the 18 years, we were really good friends, close friends. Uh, but then we decided to take it to the next level um, a few years ago. Wow, now here you are. Yeah. So, and I think because we were so close and we've been best friends for such a long time that, you know, our marriage, a lot of it is, it becomes easy to us. Hmm. Right. Because we had been, we, 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 we knew each other inside and out. So, that's our Thank story. You. Thank you, MSN Messenger. Wow. Yeah, MSN Messenger. Just a <laughs> Saturday night, bored at home, bunch of email addresses, and he's the one that, eventually captured my heart. Wow, that's so yeah. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And of course, today we're speaking about fertility and infertility. And you're currently on your journey to um, parenthood. Um, so can you tell us about your journey so far? Yeah, so because we got engaged in our 30s and mm -hmm. We knew we were ready to have children right away. And it was just the discussion we had that we were going, we were intending on having a quote unquote honeymoon baby. Mm, um, yeah. that it would just, because I think I was just, I was 33, two months of, uh, shy of 34 um, when we got married. So we knew, like my husband comes from a family of eight children. Um, so he's got a large family and I have a family of this four children. And we knew we wanted to have like that. Uh, Ideally, in my mind, three children. So we said, okay, well, if I'm 34, we got to get started right away. So that was the plan. Um, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. We, um, I didn't, like, I guess shortly after our honeymoon, probably about two or three months, I was like, ah. although it was so early at that point, and I know most people would be like, well, it was two or three months, like, don't worry about it. Something in my gut told me something wasn't right. So um, I had requested, I asked my family doctor to refer me to a um, fertility specialist. I had re been reading online that once you're 35, you're fertility. And the other thing was saying that, well, if you're 35 or older, if you've been trying for six months, then you're usually referred to as fertility specialist. I was 34 at that point. My doctor knew I wanted to have a lot of kids and, um, I, I basically at that point, I said, please, can you just refer me to someone? And he did. So um, I went to opportunity specialist. They ran all the tests. Everything looked good. I did have low AMH, um, but he said that doesn't impact your ability to conceive. It really only impacts if you're proceeding with IVF, how many eggs you can expect from a retrieval. Um, he even shared with me that he's had patients who have come to be egg donors for family and friends. And these egg donors already had two or three children um they were young but once they ran their test they saw that they had low amh and they wouldn't be good egg donors as a result and it was shocking because they conceived easily and they had already had at least two or three kids so he reassured me in that sense that you know don't be worried about your amh you know if we get to ivf down the road then we'll deal with it then so um at that point, I said, okay, let's just try naturally for a little while more. So my husband and I kept trying naturally. Nothing came of it. 
Um, and then in October of 2019, we decided to uh, proceed with IUIs. Um, so we did two IUIs um, back to back and nothing came of those. And then we had decided that we would try, um, we would move on to IVF in the new year. So January of 2020. So we went on vacation in December for, uh, for Christmas and we went over to the States, we got back and then I had contacted my clinic to let them know, okay, we've decided we want to proceed with IVF. Let's get the ball rolling. But unfortunately, I don't, they were, I guess there was like water damage or there was roof damage over the fertility wing at that part of the hospital. Hmm. So we were told that that wasn't going to be a possibility and that um, they were doing the emergency roof repairs and it's going to be at least two months until they can reopen the fertility clinic, which was devastating. Like even for them, like the Katie, uh, the receptionist was just saying to me, she's like, you know, Rima, this is like devastating for us and our patients. And so I was frustrated and I wasn't upset with them. I was just frustrated with the situation. And she said, you know, we've had to let people go because of this. We can't give them work during, uh, during the roof repairs. Um, so anyhow, she said, you know, by March, everything should be up and running. So I said, okay, we'll just be patient. Try another couple of months naturally. I was supposed to have orientation on March 15 and then start later that cycle. And then Canada shut down on March uh, I think it was 13. Oof. And I mean, there you go, right? COVID struck and it shut down the hospital, like the fertility wing again. Um, so we weren't able to, to proceed. By June, I started contacting the clinic again. They said hopefully by June 1st, they'd be able to open up again. So it was, it was May, I was contacting them. Mm. June 1st, they did open up again. Um, and then we scheduled my orientation. Long story short, I got in mid August for our first retrieval. And yeah, we started doing the, uh, doing stims and doing the injections. And I really didn't know what to expect, to be honest. I hadn't, I only made my Instagram account probably like three days into, into injections, into stims. So I hadn't been following really anyone to, to know what to expect. Um, I did have a very close friend that had gone through it and she was kind of walking me through it, but, um, I still, I don't know. I find that once I made this account, I was able to really see firsthand how it impacts the women in our community. Um, and, and to actually see the injections being done and to see like the egg counts and embryos and blastocysts and A, B, C, D, E, F, G, um, so we did that. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of eggs. But at the end of the retrieval, um, they managed to retrieve five follicles, but three of them were empty. So I just had the two eggs. Um, and then both did fertilize, thankfully. Great. Um, yeah. And yeah, they did fertilize. We got the call on day two, said that they were both great, like they were doing great. Um, and my doctor recommended we do a, a fresh three-day transfer. So that was on a Sunday. So, um, Sunday morning, I went to the hospital, of course, alone, because no one was allowed really here. Um, and we did the transfer. It was beautiful. They said it was a grade one, grade A, beautiful, eight-cell embryo, very promising. My doctor was excited. Um, but the baby didn't implant, or the embryo didn't implant, unfortunately. So, um, 
Yeah, two weeks later we found out. And the sad thing is because I had that other embryo, um, I was curious about how that was progressing. And my doctor had told me even prior to transfer that they would let us know by mail about the outcome of the second embryo. And I thought that was strange. Like, why would you mail? Why would you mail a letter to, why can't someone just call you and be like, (laughs) right? It made it to pass the system. We're going to freeze it or it didn't make it. So I I thought that I didn't like that. Um, So I said, well, I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to call the hospital. So I did. I think it was probably on the Thursday, a Thursday. And then they had told me that the babe, that the embryo arrested. And I, like, I was gutted. I, I was so hurt. I just, I remember um, the restrictions, COVID restrictions had been lifted for the most part here. And um, I had called the hospital and then one of my sister-in-laws came over and I didn't tell anyone about IVF. Like, aside from my like close friend and my husband, it was a very private journey. And then our infertility community. I mean, I had, I was opening up there people I don't know, but people close to me, I didn't share anything. So my sister-in-law had called me. She's like, what are you doing? And I was, and I had just got off the call and I felt like my heart was like in my stomach. And she's like, you know, we're just driving by. Um, and she was with her son. She's like, we want to come in and bring you a coffee. I can't say no. That's like, you know, in our culture, that's rude. So I said, um, I was like, oh, yes, sure, come by. And so she came. I think maybe that was a good thing that someone was there to distract me. Anyhow, um, so that was while I was still, I hadn't even got the negative result yet. And then just a couple of days later, I started cramping and spotting. And and uh, I called the fertility clinic and I let them know that my back was hurting and that I had started spotting. I had taken a couple of er- like early pregnancy tests and they came back negative. And I asked whether or not I should continue with the progesterone. At that point, they said, you know, if you've tested, then, uh, and you're and you're basically you're spotting, then no, we don't recommend that you do that and just come in mm. for a beta tomorrow. So I went and the beta, it was less than one, so I was I wasn't pregnant, and that was that. That was it was it was the end of that cycle because the other embryo didn't make it. Um, so then I. I was broken. I was pretty, I was quite sad about it. Um, but then I wanted to have my follow-up appointment with my doctor immediately. And they were telling me that I might have to wait six weeks to have a follow-up. And I said, no, let's, like, why, why so long? So they managed to squeeze me in. And then he said to, I said, I want to go on to like round two right away. Let's go. And in the meantime, I was consulting with my naturopath and she was just like, Rima, I don't recommend you move on to round two. She's like, excuse me, I want to put you on some more supplements and try and improve um, your egg quality. And I was like, well, but both of my eggs were beautiful, they told me, and the embryos were beautiful. So I didn't feel like it was an issue with my egg or embryo quality. Yeah. Anyhow, he said, I think he's like, I don't, my doctor himself said, I don't re- recommend moving on to around two. I think that we should consider doing surgery, laparoscopy to see if I have endometriosis which he did mention to me like about two years ago now that it's a possibility, not likely, but it's a possibility and we can either do that or we can do IUIs. And I didn't want to do surgery. And when I met up with a follow-up or I had a follow-up about two months later, the resident told me, no, I don't believe you have endometriosis. So I didn't, I just kind of let it go. 
Fast forward, um, so we were in September at this point, because of COVID and backlogs and this, this and that in the, in the healthcare system, my doctor couldn't get me in until December for surgery. And then we were scheduled to go December 2nd for surgery. And then there was another bump in the road that day. I, I had pneumonia at the time. Um, and they, because of that, they obviously couldn't operate on me. So then I got extended again another six months. And I just had surgery just a month ago. So January 13, they diagnosed me with stage three endometriosis. Um, and he removed it for the most part. He said, and uh, it was it was on my bladder, over my rectum, on both of my ovaries. My left ovary had a lot of a lot of like lesions. Um, so he said he really had to like dig away and and get rid of the endometriosis. Um, and his recommendation was that we try now for three to four cycles, and if not, we move on to round two, which he said will take four to six months of preparation um, because. I have so much inflammation and he's concerned that if we move on to round two without suppressing my ovaries for four to six months, that we'll have potentially similar outcomes to my last round. So that's where we are right now. It's just, it's natural, trying naturally and, and hoping for the best. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. It's a good thing your doctor then went ahead to do the surgery, isn't it? because no one would have known and you could have just proceeded and had no idea absolutely yeah in retrospect i mean hindsight's 2020 but i i you know my husband and i were even talking about it yesterday and it was like oh, I, just, I wish i had listened to him two years ago when he just suggested mm -hmm. it you know but i think we always think oh there's nothing wrong with me and you know it's just it's still early we've only been married for six months like you know let's give it some more time a little little do we know right yeah and sometimes you don't have the obvious symptoms right so for you to actually even push for it absolutely that's the problems of endometriosis it's not it's not easy yeah. to, to figure yeah. Out. yeah absolutely and i thought you know i had always since i was 12 13 like i've always had painful periods and i thought that was normal right like i thought like my back hurting so much it's for me it's mostly my back I'm, i get cramps but my back is what really puts me over I thought that was normal because I was, I was dealing with that my entire, you know, life. Yeah. And that's what they tell you. Just use painkillers, just use hot bottles, just lie down. Just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. Um, I know you noted that you didn't tell any family member. You, you pretty much you know, told the um, trying to conceive community and your husband. And your best friend um since i mean now um you've had that one cycle have you do, do you know if any of your friends is dealing with it have you found support now does now that you've you're very active on social media has someone reached out to you that actually knows you or so that's that's a great question um although i'm still quite active on my trying to conceive account i yeah. haven't my personal account doesn't know anything about it right, right? right. so i haven't and I, so my account was anonymous for quite some time. My TTC account was anonymous until like December. Um, and then there was a diversify your feeds movement. And I said, okay, you know what? Like, yeah, I agree with this movement because I don't see very many women of color in our community. Yes. I, all the, 
you know, the major pages always are showcasing white women and yeah. they're, I don't see black women. I don't see Asian women. I don't see Middle Eastern women. I don't see Indian women. I don't see, I don't see diversity. So I said, you know what? It's time. And my husband's a very private person. Mm-hmm. So I, it was, I had to work on him <laughs> quite a bit, um, especially with something as fragile as our like infertility. So um, I did it, but I still had the fear that someone from my local community might find me. And um, so I did it. And then someone from my local community who is an acquaintance of mine. And I thought of all the billions of people in the world, how did this person find me? And um, anyway, it was, and I remember when I saw her, the message request, my heart dropped and I was like, no, 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 please. And then uh, anyhow, she, she opened up to me and it was just, it was incredible because her and I had been in an event together. And this is the first time I'd seen her since probably university days. So probably like 15 years, we were at a bridal shower together over the summer. And uh, she had just, I think she had just, um, I can't remember if she had just had, I think she had just had a miscarriage and I was just about to start IVF. And we were both like struggling, but neither of us had any clue. So we opened up um, and we chatted about it and we're still in contact. Um, But I was scared. And then fast forward another month and I was actually, one of my posts was um, larger pages. And I remember I I had no idea. So I woke up the next day and I had a follower requests and, likes and, and messages and what happened what like and then I saw the page and it had it tagged me and I was like oh my gosh and then that got even more local people <laughs> and I was like oh no so I actually went I I was so like that I um I made my account private and then I uh, but that only lasted for about a minute and then I was like oh, you know just like refocus why are you doing this if they're reaching out or if they're even just following your journey you know, be grateful in a sense. Right. Hmm. But I'd be lying if I said like, it still makes me a little weary. Um, But I find that I have, I think with me being open on the infertility account that I am, like I am more open with people in my non infertility world. Right. You know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, the feelings you're having is actually quite normal, especially in like, because I, I, I feel the same way. It's not because you're being, but firstly, I'm very secretive on a regular basis. Just, just that's just the way I am. I don't discuss things that are private. But of course, for infertility, I feel like we need to discuss it more. So there's always that struggle between I'm not usually open about things like this, but then I want to be open about it because I know we need to be open about it. So you know, it's constantly trying right. to find balance. Yeah, absolutely. So I like so, that. Yeah. It is a man. It is a. It is finding balance. You're absolutely correct. Because it's not something that we should be ashamed to talk about. And you're right. I am, I, I am a private person too. And I don't like to, I'm the person like, unless I kind of bring it up, I don't really like to talk about things. Right. And I don't know. I think that as a result of me opening up my profile and coming out as a visible minority, Mm. I had so many people that I don't know message me privately, like direct message me and saying, wow, like, thank you for coming out. I have been waiting for this and not yeah. even non-Muslims, right? You know, other people of color and other 
people that belong to other religions and that aren't religious and just like thank you for doing so and i said that's why that's why i did this that's why i'm going to continue to do this and i'm just going to let me my fears just put them to the side for now yeah and it is very brave of you you know as a muslim woman uh coming out and you know showing your faith and publicly discussing this because i know that it's not it's not <laughs> it is not it's not something that is done and like i told you my husband's very private and his family's even more private and i my family's private so for me to kind of be the face of yeah. infertility right it's it's it was not and it it was not an easy pill to swallow um and i even said to my husband i said i i once covid you know settles down and we can start having stuff at the mosque again i want to start like a support group or do you know like i feel like that that's my yeah. thank you like i really feel like i i have a duty to give back yeah i haven't had a child but i still want to be able to support women that are, are that are having the same challenges as me and, and and let them know that it's not like don't you, you don't have to suffer in silence exactly. and that there are you know in canada it infertility affects one in six couples that are trying one That's in six i know america is here one in eight but in canada it's one in six so i know from my group of friends out of let's say like my close six friends i know three of them that went through the same struggles as me wow also it affects so many people and it just needs to be spoken about and the stigma needs to be broken and people need to be more open to yeah. hearing people's challenges and struggles it's not something to be ashamed of and i tell my husband that he's like i'm i said i'm not embarrassed this is not mm -hmm. something embarrassing to me I, I we're doing what we can exactly we're looking for help and this is out of our control and i said i actually i'm not embarrassed i'm proud of us for everything that we're doing mm -hmm. um we just need to we are going to be the trailblazers in our community to get people to stop from thinking like oh they're sharing too much information or they're talking like this is their private yeah their lives why are they telling others about it but, yeah i disagree with it so it's i'm doing what culture. i yeah. <laughs> because even here in nigeria it's the same it's like oh I'll keep your private business at home no one needs to know but but you know what, on the, on the same token, person that, I mean, my husband and I, we've known each other disagreements. Obviously we have, you know, our moments that are, we're not happy with each other, right? And then we'll fight. And I don't ever tell my mom, I don't tell my friends, I don't tell my cousins, I don't tell anyone that's close to me about his and I, like our um, arguments, right? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't feel like that's gonna benefit me or them and, and any yeah, exactly. you know that's something that's private that's our business and we'll figure it out ourselves i don't need to hear people's opinions about our marital relationship right, right. but fertility no that's different infertility is different that's not something that should be that where you should like suffer alone do you know what i mean yeah yeah and you coming out publicly as well there's so many women and men as well that are probably following your accounts but or rather following but not actually following right so keeping up with what you're writing and agreeing with it and being you know being encouraged by it but can't actually follow it because they don't want to be like they don't want people to see that yeah. <laughs> so the girl that I was she doesn't follow me the one that reached out to me back she doesn't yeah. follow me now 
and then but she'll come every now and then and like or leave me exactly I, yeah. you know because she probably doesn't want an IVF account to show up on her follower list yes exactly right? Yeah. Um, no, I've had, I've had a few. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It, and it's, it's sad because there is, there's a stigma and, and it's, uh, hopefully I will help break that stigma in our community, but. Definitely. One person, at, one person at a time. Yes. You're making that change. And I'm so glad. And I do hope COVID ends and that you can start that support group in the mask. It would be so amazing. Thank you. Make that happen. Um, of course, you know, you, you're Muslim Canadian, uh, and of course you have, uh, you have your own specific culture and then there's a Canadian culture. In your experience or in your opinion, what differences do you think exist between, you know, infertility in the uh, Canadian quote unquote, uh, community yeah. and versus uh, your community? Your, your like parents from Lebanese, uh, from Lebanon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both, um, they're both from Lebanon. Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, even speaking to my family, my mom's family is still in Lebanon. Most of them. Um, it's again, infertility is not something that's talked about. I mean, it's not anything really. Like I, I you know, I, I had said this during um, a live one uh, recently that I had with Crystal that anything that is considered sacred or private between spouses is not it's not it's no one else's business right mm -hmm. and um that infertility is something huge that i guess you just don't talk about right and even you know our movies anything to do with like love or never my mom watches her lebanese soap operas and sometimes you know but when i lived at home i would just kind of watch with her and there was never any like intimacy kissing never <laughs> Like maybe a hug or a kiss on the on the forehead or on the hands, but on yeah. the lips, no way. Like that's just so. <laughs> so because I think because of that mentality, like you never like, like there's never any like you know sex or anything. Um, so to deal with something that that to talk about something that deals with that intimate relationship with between a husband and wife, it's it's just not talked about. Whereas mm -hmm. in the Canadian culture, I think that we are encouraged to talk about our struggles, right? right. Um, the other thing with infertility in the Middle Eastern community, um, there's some people that like IVF is 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 allowed, it's condoned. Okay. Um, it's fine. Like there's yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, if you it's the same way if you have any other kind of disease, you, there are treatments for it. And, you know, in Islam, it's, you know, God has given treatments, you go get your treatments, right? Same thing goes with infertility. Um, but the idea of, you know, surrogacy, for example, right. right? That's something that's really like never talked about in the community because there, whether it be a religious belief or just a cultural belief, but to have someone else potentially carry your child or to have an egg that belongs to another woman mm -hmm. and the sperm of a man like that, that's like, I've very unheard of. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so because of those options in the infertility world, I think it's just, it is something that's just not spoken about, but a lot of women do, I know that women from Canada East to do IVF. And it is something like they'll say, I've had family in Lebanon say, you know, you should come here and consider doing um, treatments here. And again, I've never 
spoken to them. I haven't opened up to them about us having our issues, but because of my age, because I've been married two and a half years, in yeah. our culture, it's like, okay, like they're obviously having problems. So, um, but in, in Lebanon, at least in the past, they used to put multiple embryos during an IVF um, transfer. They'd put like four, five, six embryos oh, and yeah. then mm -hmm. have twins, right? So it's not, it is something that happens, right? Mm -hmm. And that we know about, but it's not something that's really talked about. Yeah, same here. You know, we have a lot of fertility clinics. So yet no one talks about it. So I'm like, well, someone must be using it, right? Because it's there, <laughs> you know? So it's interesting. Now, just um, going back to actually, uh, you've been Muslim. I just wonder what role your faith has played in this whole journey. That's a good question. Um, you know, I, we, a strong belief in Islam is that, you know, God, basically when you're born, your destiny has already been determined. Do we have free will and we're able to determine or decide for ourselves, am I going to wear a blue hijab today or a white hijab? Obviously, right? But, um, you know, there's the belief that whatever happens in your life has already been determined for you. So I guess my husband and I were meant to meet at 18 and get married at 36. And, you know, sometimes, or 34, 33. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um you know, and sometimes I, I sit back and I reflect and I'm like, why didn't, like, you know, if we've known each other for such a long time, why didn't we get married any sooner? And mm -hmm. I think, that, you know, I always look at it and I say, you know, I don't think we would have worked out had we gotten married earlier. I think we both matured. And by the time we got engaged and got married, we were at a maturity, um, at the appropriate level of maturity. Um, and we had known each other so well at that point. Um that that was the perfect time for us to get married. And when I have that realization, I say, you know, that was God planned it that way, you know, right. or even like my surgery that was canceled back in December, as much as mm -hmm. I wanted that surgery to happen. And I tried to hide my pneumonia. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, proud to admit that I had already finished my antibiotics and I, I felt better. It's just, I had a cough still. And I tried to hide it from the hospital. I didn't want them to know. I really, really wanted that surgery. I really wanted answers as to why we weren't conceiving. And then I got canceled because I happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, like two weeks earlier, which had just had an old COVID outbreak. Uh -huh. And then the, one of the screenings at the hospital was like, were you at like this hospital recently, like the other hospital? And I was in the pneumonia. And uh, so, so I didn't, and they failed my screening because of that. And I was so upset and I was so hurt and I was so mad. And I said, why? I mean, not to them, but to God. And I was like, why? Like, you knew I wanted this so badly. And, um, and then after all, I was crying and angry and a couple of days later, and I was still having the worst coughing attacks. Like I would vomit. That's how much I was coughing. And oh, wow. I, it was bad. And uh, I said, it was canceled. Like he had it. I was literally in the hospital bed. Like I had, I was in my gown. I was already connected to the IV, like everything, like I was ready, they were ready to take me into, um, into the operation. And it just like, there was like divine intervention came in and it just like, it was canceled. Like God's like, no, it's not happening. I'm canceling this for you. And when I thought about it, you know, a week later, I said, oh my God, like it makes sense. I was very sick still. I, I can't even imagine, even after I had my surgery, like my stomach was very sore. Um, having such a sore stomach with the incisions and having mm -hmm. the 
that I had would have been torture. So to go back to your question in terms of faith, I said to myself, God did that for a reason, right? Or we got married at this age for a reason. Um, do I ask myself, you know, Mohammed is my husband. We were talking about it last night. Like this is happening for a reason. We don't know the reason why we're not having a kid, why we haven't conceived. I've never been pregnant in two and a half years, why we haven't had anything really. And he's like, there's, there, there is a bigger picture. We don't know it yet. Um, but hopefully one day we will understand it. And I have to, I guess, just remain patient and, and trust in the plan and trust in God's plan. And that really is what that helps me get through. It's easy, but that's, it does help to have that faith. That's wonderful. And, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, it's amazing that you and your husband are also talking about it and just trying to figure out, you know, why this is happening and what the meaning of it on what, you know, what the plan is um, for, for you, for you as a couple. I wonder if um, this whole journey and the delays in conceiving, has it had an impact on your relationship with your husband? Honestly, well, I feel like it's, it's, it's strengthened our relationship. Um, you know, sometimes, like, even when we're talking about it, I, him and I, we're, we're pretty, like, we're stubborn in our ways, right? Mm-hmm. And we can, and, you know, and sometimes I think, like, oh, well, maybe if we, like, if we had a child, like, right at the beginning of our marriage, it would have been, like, we would have probably butt heads a lot about certain things, right? So we've had more time to talk about, like, what our expectations are um, as parents and, and yeah. what we would envision for our, our future children. So I think we've learned more about each other in that sense. But for me, like he has been, like there have been, I've had some dark days throughout this journey. Um, and he has been my pillar and my rock and my everything. Like, and he got me through darkest times. Um, he's very sweet and gentle and caring and generous. And at the first sign that I'm going to have some sort of breakdown, you know, he'll do what he can to make me laugh or he'll go, you know, sneak out of the house and come back with flowers or, you know, (laughs) it's just, he's such a compassionate person. And I remember the day I went in for a monitoring scan for, um, during stints, it was like my second monitoring scan. And I only had five follicles at the time or five eggs, five follicles. And I got out of the appointment and I started crying so much because I thought that, oh, the first appointment, there was like, I don't know, five or so. And I thought, oh, that's okay. It's still early. Like more follicles are going to come. I didn't realize that the majority of your, like, your follicles are there. Yeah. And then on Instagram and seeing these women get oh, 30. Yeah. Oh, 30 something. Oh, my. <laughs> and, then, and then I remember seeing people like, okay, well, you get 30 eggs, but then you have 15 embryos and then like, 15 embryos make it to like four blasts. Oh my God, I have five. I'm, so I got out of that appointment. I cried and cried and cried and cried. And he was at work and I called him and I just broke down. And then I went, I, I went to my aunt's house shortly after, cause one of my other aunts was going back to Lebanon. So I went to go say goodbye to her. And I like, I had to keep a, a straight face there, got into the car, started sobbing again. And I got home and then he finished work. And then he said, He's like, he came home and then he's like, okay, I'm not coming inside. I'm like, why not? And he's like, you need to come, please come meet me out. So I got into the car and then we go for a drive. I'm like, where are we going? Meanwhile, crying. And he's like, where? And then he took me to one of my favorite dessert places, right? And he's like, I'm going to 
know, and it's just it's just his his demeanor. So he's been very good about it. I know that I've heard horror stories about women, even like in our community, right? That weren't able or were tra- um, having challenges conceiving and the man either left them to marry yeah. someone else mm-hmm. or, you know, um, I, I mean, it just oh, caused some fighting. You know, the families are just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm so blessed. Like my in-laws are amazing. And my family too. Like no one ever puts pressure on us. No one ever asks us. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's been good in that regard. so much better, doesn't it? Like, because you don't need the additional stress. It's already stressful, you know. Yeah. <laughs> making it worse. Yeah. You were part of the people, ladies, that did the amplifying, you know, uh, voices of the, what's the right word? I don't know, people of color or minority or, you know, people on Instagram. I yeah. just wonder, uh, how do we change that? Because you know, like you highlighted at the beginning, we don't see a lot of people that look like us on Instagram. And you know, even in the media, when you're talking about fertility treatments, we don't see either. What do you think we can all do in our little spaces to make that change? I think honestly, part of the problem is, is our local like, communities because we feel that because women are so scared to come out right and to Mm -hmm. talk about their stories because of everything that we talked about about just stigma and embarrassment or shame and which shouldn't be the case but a lot of women don't talk about it um making people feel more comfortable to come out and talk about their infertility the second challenge is our greater trying to conceive community and infertility community and who they choose to highlight right and because they're always highlighting Anglo-Saxon white women, right, right? blonde hair and blue eyes, um, it further silences us, the visual minorities. And it makes us feel like, oh, my story is not important. No one cares about my story. Um, and if I come out, even, even with me, with, uh, I was anonymous at first and I didn't identify as a Muslim. I was terrified to put my picture out because of, yeah, my local community, but I was more scared of my TTC friends and TTC community. because I was like, oh my God, they're going to see that I'm a Muslim and that, that like, they don't like Muslims or they don't like, you know, they don't. And uh, yeah, it, that scared me a lot too. So I think that our TTC community needs to do a much better job at highlighting our stories. There have been accounts that you know, it, it's frustrating me, but they have these giveaways and they always have the same follow. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there was, the, I won't name it, but there was one very recently and it had like 15 people in the picture, not one black woman. And like, I mean, we have a group, um, the, the BIPOC ladies, we had started like they're in the Amplify ways to kind of get out of the community. And we talk about some of these challenges and one of the, like one of the girls in the group sent a screenshot of this picture and was like, and I said, I, are you kidding me? Because there isn't one black woman in the community that hasn't shared her story. She can't be a part of this. There hasn't been one Asian. There hasn't been one Arab. There hasn't, you know, and it's just like, come on. You know, why are you silencing us? And they removed the ability to even comment under the post. Well, maybe because some people already said things about it. Maybe that's exactly. Because we did comment under a post from right. the same that was done probably about a month earlier. There was no diverse spaces. And we did, 
comment under it. So this time they knew what they were doing and they, <laughs> they blocked the comments. So I, I don't know. I, whether sometimes I really feel that people sometimes I, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt and that they don't realize what they're doing. And it's our job to open their eyes and, and, and right. educate them. And, and there are women, like I said, that have, um, that have influence in the community and that have shown a lot of support, which is great. But I think there's still much more work to do. Um, I and it, I mean, there's something people always say, um, infertility does not discriminate. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Everyone is, there. which is why we need to see, right? Because sometimes I think when you see just certain pictures and certain looks and, you know, and, and trying to conceive community on Instagram and everywhere else, you start to think, well, there's no one like me that this is happening to, which is not, re which is not reality, right? There, there is a lot of people like you and I that it is happening to, you just not seeing them. Yeah, so. and I had a girl reach out, a woman, I should say, reach out to me recently saying, you know, I was laying in bed and just last night, just last night and thinking like, and she had like an anonymous account or not even a TTC account. She was using her personal account. And she said, oh, I ever, like, I didn't see any Muslims or I didn't see any Arabs. And, and then she was like, I was wondering why, why? And then she's like, the next day, I saw you on there. <laughs> wow. Like, oh my God. And just like so happy that I shared her story. And she's like, I found someone that looks like me. And there, like I told you before, there have been a lot of women that have reached out. Um, so it goes, it goes like, and that was mostly, I'd say, because that one larger page had featured me in one of their posts. Right. So it, because of that, like, I got like 700 followers like in a day. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they weren't. All of the majority of them were not TTC accounts. The majority of wow. the were non-TTC accounts, just regular personal accounts. And I was like, wow, how many people are going through infertility alone yes. and for people to follow along or to hear about their stories, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you keep thinking that this changes and, you know, more of what you're doing with the, the, uh, you know, people trying to amplify different voices and we all speaking out and hopefully things can change for the better. Because again, there's a lot of diversity required. I mean, people need to feel represented. They need to see people that like them. Absolutely. And just connect better that way. Most definitely. Wonderful. And if there's anyone that listening right now and wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach you, Rima? It's if they already follow me, shoot me a dm i, I answer every single uh, direct message that i get um so i'd love for them to do that and if they don't want to follow um a trying to conceive account that i i completely understand and still please just send me a direct message and <coughs> excuse me and i i'm there for them you know and i i really do try everyone that does send me a message and kind of opens up to me yeah is it either if they are a part of the community or not the online community I always say to them, I appreciate you sharing your story and I am here for you. Please, whenever you need me, I'm here. You know, and, and I try to support everyone that I can because the support that I got was so helpful. And if I can give back, yeah. then I will, you know? Yeah, it's wonderful. And Rima, we spoke about this earlier. Is there one what, quote or word of affirmation that you found very helpful? your journey so far that you'd like to share yeah so i mean my instagram handle is patience is a virtue.com or dot com oh my gosh <laughs> 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 what am i saying is uh, patience is a 
virtue IVF. And <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm a high school teacher, so I have to be very patient. I'm dealing with adolescent boys and girls every day and, you know, homework excuses and this and that. And you just have to be patient. Yeah. Um, and I just think as a, as just as a human being, I'm a very patient person. And um, so that's why I chose that handle. But even before I, I made my infertility account um, during Ramadan, so I have my sister-in-law has this, like a, a business where she like personalizes is like serving trays and water bottles and like clothing, like she uses machine and makes you know personalized mugs and stuff. And uh, she had come up with like a, a tray, like a serving platter, and she was doing quotes on it. And she asked me, she's like, "Would you be interested in one?" I'm like, "Yes, I would." And then she's like, what quote would you like on it? I'm like, that's a great question. So I started looking up quotes about patience. Hmm. And I came across, um, so in Islam, the, the holy book is the Quran. And I found a verse from the Quran, and I just have it here in front of me so I can quote it properly. And it says, so endure, okay. right? <laughs> so, so endure patiently with a beautiful patience. And that's yeah. from uh, verse 70, um, or I guess, I don't know how to translate that into English, but uh, surah, which is, I guess, chapter okay. 70, okay. right? So endure patiently with a beautiful patience, right? So it's like you're being challenged, hmm. but, you know, be patient and do it with like a beautiful patience, right? Just be, essentially, I just see it like, okay, you're going to be rewarded. Try to remain positive. Try to remain optimistic. Don't be angry and just try and be as patient as possible. Yeah. So I love that. And she actually put in Arabic for me and put it on my serving tray. And uh, so I have it in the house. So I did that because I was going through infertility at the time. It was right before IVF. And I said, I'm going to show this. I'm going to put this like in our house so that, you know, people who read Arabic, when they come in, they'll be, able to be like, we have to be patient, but our patience paid off in the end. Right. Yeah. So Amen. that really, and that's, I guess, I, I didn't even think of that quote when I made my patience as a virtue I think it's just yeah. so <laughs> yeah and that yeah yeah I, th I think for me when I heard that it makes me feel like well you know yes you're being patient but also do it without you know because sometimes you know with infertility you just feel like oh you're so stressed out you're currently worrying and just when is this going to happen when is it going to happen and when I heard that verse it's almost saying to me well yes be patient but do it but also live, live a good life, you know, enjoy your life while you're waiting for it, right? And not do it in sadness or... Yes, I like that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you yeah. for sharing. Thank you. And if you could go back in time, Rima, to 15-year-old Rima, knowing all you know now, what would you tell her? Oh, man, that's a hard question. I think, I mean, I, in terms of, you know, even when I got married, right, in our community, I was 33, almost 34, that's old, <laughs> in mm. the Middle East community. And, um, like, not in my opinion, but in the general yeah. opinion. 15-year-old Rima, I would say, Rima, everything is going to Don't worry. Don't stress out. It's You are going to have your happily ever after with your beautiful husband, and you're going to have a loving marriage. And you don't need to stress out and not, don't worry about what people are saying because you're not married or you're not this or you're not that. That's what I would say. That's lovely. 
and it's so applicable to everything, right? Like, don't worry, everything will work out fine. Just yeah, and I think, and I have to keep reminding myself that with my journey now. Yeah, even if it doesn't, I mean, even if our journey doesn't give us a child, there, I still have so many blessings. I have so many things to be thankful for, um, and if it's just my husband and I, you know, and if we don't go any other route in terms right. of fertility, um, and we decide just it's him and I, we will take advantage of what we have in life and we will live life to its fullest and everything is going to work out the way it's meant to work out. Yes. I love it. Thank you for sharing. And as a rapper, Prima, do you have any words of encouragement for any other woman or couple listening right now? I mean, words of encouragement, words of advice. I really think that they should reach out. They should share with whoever they're comfortable with and just do what is best for them. If being quiet and, and is, is what's best for them, then keep doing that. But there's such a beauty I find in sharing our stories and connecting with other women and seeing stories of hope yeah. You know, like I've seen so many pregnancy and I get so happy when I see women in the community um, who have a pregnancy announcement because it yeah. gives us. And I think that's so important. So I think that couples that are undergoing treatment, if they're comfortable, share your story or look for other stories of support and uh, remain patient. <laughs> <laughs> yes, patience is very important in this journey and in you know the very aspects of life. Yes, it is. Not easy. Like you know, I'm saying it, and it's not easy. My days, I'm telling you, I have my days where I'm not patient. But at the end of the day, it's just that's all we can do. Exactly. You know, we do everything that's in our control, and we leave the rest to God. Right? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Rima. That was really beautiful. It's been amazing having you on the show today. You have shared so much wisdom. Uh, I love all that you're doing. I love you, you know, coming up publicly and speaking out because we need to see more people that look like us. We need to let people know they're not alone, regardless of whatever culture or religion they are. People need to feel supported and see stories of hope that encourage them. So thank you so much for all you're doing and thank you for sharing today. Thank you for having me and giving me that platform. It's so important. You're doing amazing things. Thank you. Thank you. So I've really been inspired. I know all the listeners have been inspired. And uh, we hope that we can uh, see you again in the near future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.